Hey, it's Penny here, and I just wanted to drop a warning that there are parts of this episode that might make you a bit squeamish. We're about to visit a place where patients don't usually get to go, but parts of you do. Samples that have been collected from your body that are tested to give you a diagnosis. And according to head microbiologist Sarah, just about anything's likely to turn up here. Today we've had some tissues from what they call a necrotizing fasciitis. Tomorrow we might get a big toe. But before your big toe gets to Sarah, or one of the many, many scientists, technicians and others that are working behind the scenes to get you a diagnosis... Let's meet one of the people responsible for getting a good sample, in this case, a blood sample, whose title is... Phlebotomist. That's our name. You're a phlebotomist. Can you dissect that word for me? So what we're doing is phlebotomy. So really that just means phleb is um, a word for a vein. So what we're doing is is putting a needle into a vein. So phlebotomy. Yes. Why did you want to do this particular part? of medicine? Well, I've done quite a few things in nursing, but, um, you know, it's a very people-orientated job. You do a lot of talking and chatting and trying to allay anxiety in patients. And, you know, it's something that is very necessary and has to be done. And one of the things I've found over the 11 years I've worked here, you know, I do get cards and sometimes the occasional little gift as a thank you from patients so even though we might be only seeing patients fairly briefly here so just for the blood test um, you know can never underestimate how stressful it is for people having a blood test some people are terribly worked up about it it is or it seems to be quite reassuring for them to have someone that they can go to that they know will get their blood every time Are there special tips and tricks? I mean, there'll be a lot of people that have had a number of blood samples taken, particularly if someone is sick and has ongoing issues. This happens a lot. And they'll get to know the nurses that are good at this and the ones that aren't. What are the tips and tricks? Uh, Look, our biggest tips are people need to be well hydrated, you know, drink a number of glasses of water before they come in to us and also keeping warm. It's not as obvious as it would seem, but um, particularly on a cold day, for example, if someone's wearing long sleeves and they're well hydrated when they come in to us, um, we are more likely to be able to find their veins easily. Some people you can see visible veins. Other people, um, it's a very tactile job for us. We can feel the veins. So we're often putting the needle into something that we can feel but not see. So there's quite an art to it, actually. What's something you've learned about your job that you didn't know before you started doing this particular part of it? Um, I guess it's a very involved job here. There's many, many different blood tests that we take and our lab sends samples out of the state to other hospitals for testing. So I think the level of testing has amazed me. How much do you, as the phlebotomist, I love that word, (laughs) need to know about that? Well, we do need to know to a fair degree because depending on what test it is, it will depend on what tube requirements are. Some of the samples we take need to be put in an ice pack straight away. We do have some samples that actually need to be kept at body temperature. So we actually have sand in thermoses 
that sit in an incubator and as we take each tube it needs to be pushed into the warm sand to keep it warm so yeah there's a lot it's quite involved. So the blood's been taken where do we go? Well, where does it go? Should yeah. we go for a walk? <laughs> sure let's go. So we're just wandering back out to the waiting room now and I think we're going through to the the staff only area. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Come on in. Um, I think your next area that you're going on to is microbiology. So that's all the, the urines and the poo samples and the swabs. So, yeah, I'll lead you on there if you like. Couldn't think of anything better. Thanks, Deanne. OK, this is the bit that might make you a bit squeamish because beyond the blood samples, the people who work in the lab, like Sarah, get to play with all sorts of interesting-sounding things. Penny, this is where we actually process your microbiological samples, so your samples that you put outside your body, like your urine and your sputum and your faeces. What's sputum? Sputum is something that you expectorate out of your... <coughs> yeah, so... It's like phlegm and... Phlegm, yeah. So we process them, we put them onto basic um, agar plates, we put, incubate them overnight and then we get them out and see what bacteria is growing on them. Where do the samples... And it feels a bit gross. Are they a bit gross? Oh, look, they are a bit gross, but, you know, it's every day for us. We get used to them, the smells. You probably think it smells in here. It does smell a bit strange, yeah. But we get used to it, you know, sort of ingrained into our noses, but, yeah. (laughs) So where do they come in? How does it happen? They come from the central separating department, so they number all of the samples and they bring them down to us. And we bring them over here, put a special label on them, and then we inoculate them. Which means? Take them out onto special media. So this one is a horse blood agar media. So it's a generic media for for all sorts of um, samples that you might produce. And when you say media, I'm going to get rid of that bit of health. Oh, it's really science speak. What does that mean? Well, it's really just like um, a platform on which you can grow bacteria. So it's a special concoction of blood and, and all sorts of little things that will enhance the growth of bacteria that might be growing inside your body. Right, okay. So how long does this process take? And I suppose it's different for all sorts of different things. It is basically microbiology samples take about 48 hours to grow. So we incubate them overnight, get them out, have a look at them, do any sort of necessary tests we need to do on them and then re-incubate them. And we might set them up for some um, testing against antibiotics to see whether they're sensitive to that antibiotic or not. And then we produce a report at the end that says, yes, you've grown this bug and yes, you should treat it with this antibiotic. Much of the stuff that you do daily is run-of-the-mill. You're seeing the same things all the time versus the really strange, rare cases. Uh, Look, 75% of the work that we actually do is routine and, you know, they're easy to identify organisms, but 25% is, wow, you know, we've never seen this before, so we have to get together and have a look at it and say, what do you think I should do now? You know, I've put it through this machine and it says it's an E. coli. Do I trust that result? So it's, it's pretty exciting. And the, the best part about working in the hospital is every day is different. So you get different samples down every day. I mean, today we've had some tissues from what they call a necrotizing fasciitis. Tomorrow we might get a big toe, you know? <laughs> you, you, wait, what was the first one? A what? Uh, a bit of tissue from necrotizing fasciitis. So basically when the infection progresses from one part of your body down the rest of your body, and it can end up pretty bad, you know, people can become amputees and things from cases like that. So... I'm just thinking about how you protect yourself. I mean, you're not wearing any protective gear. 
this, is this a silly question to ask? Do no, people... it's not. I, I wasn't actually doing any work at the time that you walked in, but um, my staff members here have got um, gloves on and they're also wearing laboratory coats. We have cabinets in here, so if you've got samples that we think might be creating aerosols, it might go into the environment, we actually put them up in the cabinet so we protect ourselves and we protect the sample as well. Okay, so apart from, you know, big toes, what else do you get sent in here? Oh, we, look, we get a lot of faeces. They're probably the worst thing we do. Poo. Yeah, poo, sorry. Yeah, poo. Um, but they're pretty exciting. We look for parasites in them. We also look for bacteria. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Every day, like I said, is different. So that's what makes it fun. What happens once you've grown all of this stuff? Once we've grown them, we send out a report on our laboratory information system, so our computer system, and that then goes to the digital medical record. So that's uploaded straight away to that record and doctors can access that information um, from within the hospital but also externally from the GPs as well. How often do they need to call you or the scientist and get a bit more info? Oh, look, we... We probably take about 50 calls a day. You know, can we test some more antibiotics on this? What do you think about this result? And the best thing for us is we actually have a, a doctor on site, so Dr Pankajar, and she can take all of those questions that are a little bit outside our league with, you know, what antibiotics should we treat with now? So that's not part of our actual testing. We do the testing, we identify the organisms, we do the reporting. Pankajar's there for that clinical side. When you are out and about and someone asks what you do for a job, what's, what's your answer and what's their response? Well, I basically say I'm a medical scientist and I play with bodily fluids. <laughs> How do they respond? They, they don't sort of understand, um, but then you say, oh, I put them onto agar plates and then I identify bacteria. They go, oh, okay, I understand. Yeah, you're a scientist. What do you think people don't understand about your job? What do they get wrong? I think for microbiology especially is they don't understand the time that it takes to actually grow that bacteria and produce a result. They say, I've sent a sample down, I want a result right here and now. And you say, well, we can't exactly do that. Um, but technology is going that way nowadays, so we're hoping to get some more technology inside here where we can put a swab inside the machine and get a result out you know, within 30 minutes and say, OK, you've got E. coli growing in your urine. You know, and then treatment can become faster, patients can get better more quickly, you know, and then they can get discharged from hospital. But that's time and money and yeah, we've got to all be trained to do that. But I love the basics of the bacteriology. I love the hands-on side of it. Why do you do what you do? I mean, we've talked about funny smells. We've talked about you dealing with bits of bodies. It it doesn't sound like the most appealing job straight off the bat, but why do you do it? Well, my next-door neighbour when I was growing up was a medical scientist. He was actually a microbiologist. And uh, I went away to live in Germany for a year. And when I came back, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And he said, come and have a look at my lab. So I, I became a scientist because he was a scientist. I also did Highland dancing because he was Scottish. And he took me to my first Highland dancing lesson. So I have a lot to be thankful for for him because you work in a place like this are you a super clean person at home making sure every surface there's no bacteria no I'm not penny but I wash my hands that many times and and I notice it in the children you know as soon as we get inside they're straight off to wash their hands and, and they get home and can I have something to eat have you washed your hands you know <laughs> so just trying to protect those basic things like gastro and you know we're not going to be over the top we just want to be as clean as we possibly can but my house is certainly not clean <laughs> We are, as part of this series, helping people know the kind of things they can do in their day-to-day life to, I guess, prevent bits of their body ending up in a place like this, growing on an agar dish. I mean, have you got any any tips? Well, hand washing is the best thing. I mean, I did my thesis on hand washing, so I can't encourage it enough. You know, hand wash, you don't understand when you're walking down that escalator and you've got your hand on the handrail that 
nobody's probably cleaned that for however long, you know, so don't go then go and put it in your mouth and chew on your fingernails and just hand wash every opportunity before you start putting something in, in your mouth. Do we need to be pedantic about it? No, I don't think so. Otherwise, we're going to create a community that's going to get sick like my laryngitis I've got going on right now. But, uh, yeah, no, we just need to be mindful about it. Been really nice being... Oh, something's just turned off. That's a freezer. Sorry, we're standing right in front of the freezer. <laughs> well, that is pathology, where there are all sorts of bits and pieces in freezers and fridges and even thermoses. And importantly, there are very clever people helping you to get your diagnosis. Right, I think I need to go and find a shower or some alcohol rub or something. This project was funded by the Healthy Tasmania Community Innovation Grants through the Tasmanian Government. 